Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis the Fourteenth, and this is not only a B-side episode, but a special emergency queen B-side episode because the pop world has been ignited by the release of the first Beyonce album lead single in over six years. We're going to be getting into Break My Soul in this episode. But before we do that, I just want to say a quick few housekeeping things up top. First off, I had the pleasure of guesting on a really fun podcast. You guys might know it. It's called Eat, Pray, Britney. It's a podcast hosted by two huge Britney fans, Lisa and Jacqueline. And I got to go on there and talk a lot about Britney's legacy, her influences, who she's influenced, kind of just a broad ranging discussion about Britney's music and how it's affected and been affected by other pop stars. And I really enjoyed the conversation. It's 90 minutes of Britney, Britney, Britney. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes for this episode, and you should go check that out. It was a really, really fun conversation. As usual, please don't forget to rate and review Pop Pantheon on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at Pop Pantheon Pod or me at DJ L-O-U-I-E-X-I-V and get in the Discord. I got to say, the Discord over the last couple of days has been a fucking riot with everybody going nuts about the new Beyonce song, both before it came out and after it came out. I actually felt like I was really on the ball with like a lot of tidbits that were dropping about the song because people were throwing in lots of research online that proved to be prescient about what the song was going to sound like and who it sampled and who was on it, whatever. It was genuinely hilarious and we've been having like so much fun getting into the Beyonce song and everything else. So great time to join the Discord. It's very, very lively. So as I mentioned, this episode is purely devoted to the release of Beyonce's Break My Soul yesterday. I, of course, have here with me to help me break it all down. Gay schemer of Pop Pantheon himself, Russ Martin. Russ, hi. DJ Louie, it's a really big day in the pop world, and I am so excited to uh, be here with you. Me too. I really feel that the Lord hath shone upon us, shone light, shined light upon us, whatever. I'm not a Christian, so that was the best I could do by allowing this single to drop when we were on a B-side cycle. And so we have the opportunity to respond to it directly. I'm so excited. I already have like pages and pages of thoughts to share about the song. So this is exciting. I mean, it's exciting as an event and it's exciting to get to get into the weeds on the song, I think. Fantastic. So, Russ, okay, so you're going to take the reins here a little bit and run this conversation about how we're going to get into the weeds a bit about our reactions to the song, what we think it portends for the record, where Beyonce might be thinking of herself both in her artistic trajectory and in her commercial trajectory. It's kind of a huge piece of evidence, the first real sense we've gotten about where Beyonce sees her solo career going in this next decade and where she's at. Like, we haven't had a check-in with her aside from various sort of, like, ornate side projects since 2016. So it's a really huge moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is Beyonce's first album in six years, seventh studio album, and as of recording, this song has been out for about 12 hours, something like that. So these are really fresh reactions. Before we get into it, though, I want to start off with where we last left Beyonce. Louis, can you quickly take us back to 2016 and what was happening in that, the year of our Lord Beyonce? Well, Barack Obama was president so of the United States. So if that gives you context for like literally how much has happened since the last Beyonce solo album, it is astonishing. I mean, I'm, I say that facetiously on some level, but like Beyonce has not released new music in kind of like the modern era, so to speak. If in some ways, like Donald Trump's election felt like the dawn of a new time, at least in America, and I think kind of globally on some level, and there's just been kind of like utter chaos since then, it feels like, at least to me, it's fascinating that one of the most culturally engaged pop artists has yet to make an official statement on anything since all of this, and I'm gesturing at everything around me, has happened. So Beyonce released Lemonade in 2016. Obviously, it was met with widespread critical acclaim, probably her most universally critically beloved piece of work. Obviously, was a deeply personal 
album and visual project that connected her personal story about infidelity, which was the most upfront I think she'd ever been in her music about her personal life, to broader themes of Black history, of... American history, of Black art, of American art. It was a very rich text and kind of a heavy text. There were some fun moments on the record. There were some playful moments on the album. But overall, I think it was by far her weightiest project. And it was received as such. It was also incredibly ambitious, obviously, with the release of the film, which was, I'd say, equally, if not almost more important to that release than the actual track listing of music itself. And that was also the culmination of a period of time beginning with Beyonce's self-titled release, where her albums felt like they were moving increasingly in the direction of less being sort of overt commercial product and more being these sort of very profound reflections on what it meant to be Beyonce and how that kind of personal is political vibe could help illuminate things about our broader culture. So that was kind of like what I feel like Lemonade was the culmination of on some level. We should also mention though that it was a smash success commercially as a project. Yes, I think the other thing to note on that front is yes, it sold a lot of albums, but The notable thing that I think is relevant to Break My Soul when we get to that is Beyonce has been largely out of the singles rat race for the better part of 10 years at this point. At least when it comes to her own music, I find that like Beyonce tries to scale the charts by jumping on the Savage remix or on Ed Sheeran's song or whatever. That's when she like has had bona fide radio hit singles. But in terms of her solo music, One of the notable things has been her seeming lack of desire to engage with the radio or with having traditionally hit singles. And that dates back to, I think, four on some level, because I think her last real swing at that from a solo perspective was Run the World Girls, and it wasn't a particularly huge hit for her. So I think post that, starting with self-titled, yes, Drunken Love hit number two in the United States, kind of sheerly on the momentum of that album and less so because it was really so huge at radio. And with Formation, she famously gave the song away for free when she first released it and that affected its chart position. I have a strong feeling that Formation probably would have debuted at number one had she released it in a more traditional fashion. But the truth of the matter is she hasn't really had a bona fide solo radio hit song since like Sweet Dreams, since the Sasha Fierce era. She hasn't had a huge culturally saturating radio hit song these songs have gone on to be hits just in the culture in a way but Beyonce with self-titled and Lemonade and everything she's done since then has kind of managed to almost like float above the pop discussion in a sense and that's been the neat trick of this era of her career because as we talk about so often on the show pop stars really struggle in their third decade very often to maintain that relevance and I think the brilliance of the last 10 years of Beyonce has been the ways in which she's been able to make a cultural impact that feels huge without necessarily having to have traditional hit songs. So that's been, I think, kind of the defining aspect of the commercial side of the last 10 years of Beyonce. Yeah, she she made the rare trick as a pop star moving from a singles artist to an album artist because Lemonade was the best-selling album of 2016 in the United States. It opened huge with 650,000 equivalent units. Like it was right. a real blockbuster affair despite not happening in the way that pop stars commercially succeed in a typical sense. Yes. And that was really smart. I always really marveled at how she was able to do that. It was very savvy and she's nothing if not savvy. (laughs) So that was Beyonce's last big bow, but she has done a multitude of things since then. She has not been fully away by any sense. Let's quickly run through a couple things that she's been up to since then. In 2018, she recorded a concert film for her historic Coachella headlining set. That felt like a major pop culture moment, right? Yes. I think that's potentially the pinnacle of her career. I was listening to Homecoming the other day in anticipation of the new music coming out, and I was just, it's the greatest live performance, I think, in pop history. It is. Whoa. Oh, for sure. I don't don't think there's really any. It's kind of undebatable. And it works on every possible level. And I think 
pertinent to this conversation felt like a real capstone to her career. It really felt like one of the brilliant things about Homecoming to me was the way that it wrapped her entire career together. Like it brought all the different Beyonce's we've known, starting with Destiny's Child through the current era and sort of like connected them all together and connected them to Black Diasporic musical traditions and not to mention was just jaw-dropping physical performance and obviously the nod at you know historical black colleges and of homecomings and marching bands all of that stuff i mean it was just perfectly conceived perfectly executed meaningful but fun i mean it was everything that Beyonce's ever worked towards put into one place and she pulled it off, I think, pretty much flawlessly. No pun intended. <laughs> so yes, there was homecoming. But I think homecoming notwithstanding, kind of speaking to my earlier point, the other two major projects that she's released during this time period, which were the collaboration with Jay in 2018. 18 yeah, also? that was actually just a few months after Homecoming. It was released in June. Right. So that was Everything is Love. And then with the, the entire Lion King era, which started with an album in 2019, and then the film Black is King, based on the music from the album, over a year later or nearly a year later, I think have been very interesting in terms of positioning or indicating where Beyonce's commercial fortunes actually are outside of what she's been able to pull off with the self-titled album and Lemonade, as we were talking about with the kind of cultural impact masking potentially her lack of pull at traditional radio metrics. Because Everything is Love felt very blippish to me. I actually like a lot of songs on the record, including Ape Shit, and obviously it had an iconic music video where Jay and Beyonce were in the Louvre, but it debuted famously in America at number two behind a Five Seconds of Summer album, <laughs> and Ape Shit was not a traditional hit by any means, even though it felt like maybe her biggest swing at a radio sounding song. It was kind of like a Migos wrote it and it had kind of a Migos flow to it. And I think people had dreamed of a Beyonce Jay-Z collaboration album for a really long time, but maybe it was a little late in the game for that. And it felt definitely like less rich than either Lemonade or Self-Title did, but it also felt honestly like it was fan service and almost tour product for On The Run. It didn't feel like it made a particularly huge impact, which was the first time that I had felt like a Beyonce product or project had kind of come and gone without too much of a nod from people outside of the fan base. Then the Lion King soundtrack came out. By the way, I like Everything Is Love. I think I said that. I also really like The Gift, the Lion King companion record that she kind of executive produced and is the star of half the songs, but also like features songs from other sort of Afrobeat artists. I felt like that also really kind of came and went more or less outside of the, you know, very large <laughs> committee of devoted fans that she commands. And then Black is King, which was an extraordinarily ornate film in the style of Lemonade, but even more extravagant on some level, was released on Disney Plus kind of in the heat of the first wave of coronavirus in the summer of 2020 and felt very not splashy. I felt like it came and went in a way that I've never really seen a Beyonce product come and go. I don't know if it was because it was just the heat of that moment and people just were distracted by what was going on in the world, or if it was weirdly timed that she had dropped the album for this thing a year before she released the film that felt very kind of like weird for a Beyonce project that usually feels very like zipped up and tight yep and I thought Blackest King was very enjoyable I just remember feeling like wow this does not feel like the reaction that I'm used to Beyonce projects getting when they come yeah and in terms of metrics also it, it missed number one on the hot 100 and mm -hmm. it had a huge decrease from her solo projects like it sold 54,000 equivalent units in the United States, which is a really small fraction of what she opens Lemonade with. And yes, the record business has changed, but Beyonce is looked at often as the exception. Totally. And I think that's why we're in a really interesting moment here. This is really important for, I think, laying out the landscape into which Break My Soul emerges. Because from my perspective, because none of this stuff has been official solo material, it's hard to sort of say, okay, Beyonce's commercial power has waned officially. And I think that's by design. Mm -hmm. Because 
I would guess that she's not been thrilled with the commercial performance of these sort of interim projects. I mean, Black is King especially looked like it was something she put a lot of work into. It was extremely multifaceted. It was almost like an overload visual feast that obviously took quite a lot to pull off. So I can't imagine that she was particularly thrilled with the fact that that felt like it came and went. So I think that that's all important context here for like where Beyonce's career is at because as we talk about on Pop Pantheon, ad nauseum, pop stars have a very, very difficult time, even the greatest ones, getting into this period of her career. Beyonce's 25 years deep at this point. This is the moment where her greatest contemporary in terms of longevity, Madonna also started to kind of lose her grip on stuff. So most, if not all pop stars, I mean, we're now dealing with only a very elite group have managed to have relevant hit music at this era in their career. So if anyone can do it, it's her, but that is kind of where we are right now. Yeah. So that more or less catches us up. So let's get actually into it break my soul you pulled it up last night you gave it a listen what was your first reaction oh i gave it more than a listen (laughs) russ what was your first reaction after that very first listen though well i received an illicit link whilst i was at my friend's pool And I only had my phone. So literally like mid sentence, I like saw the text and I was like disappeared into my phone, but I was only hearing it through like my tinny iPhone speakers. Luckily we disbanded quickly after that. And I got in the car and played it at full volume, driving back to my house a few times. My first reaction to it is it is by far the most straight ahead pop song that she's released since I think you could say maybe Love on Top, perhaps, but I kind of feel more so like Sweet Dreams or something like from the Sasha Fierce album. It's very down the middle in a way that even Beyonce's more pop-oriented tracks have not felt like in this past decade of her career. That was my initial reaction. Yeah. You won't break my So, Break My Soul samples Robin S's 1990 house track, Show Me Love. For those who don't know, Show Me Love was a club song. It became this huge crossover hit on pop radio. It really helped mainstream house music in the early 90s. massively influential dance track. It was actually sampled earlier this year as pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast knows uh, by Charlie XCX on Used to Know Me. What do you think of this pull of Robin S coming from Beyonce? That was another of my first thoughts was, is Beyonce aware of Used to Know Me? Because like, I feel like Beyonce's got like, she has assistants that are like dedicated to like making sure that any pop cultural angle that she needs to know about, she knows about. So I can't imagine that like someone on the team isn't aware that another pop star used this sample recently. And in my like fanfic-y brain, I'm kind of like, was there a meeting where this came up and like they decided that it wasn't a threat to them or something (laughs) like that. I don't know. If you're going to go in a house direction, it's an obvious choice. I think there's also a nod here to Black Box's Everybody, Everybody. I'm going to tell everybody, everybody. The chorus goes... So I don't think it's just drawing on that particular one. And we can get into some of the other house songs from this era that I've noted here that I feel like this song is sonically drawing on. It adds to what I was saying earlier, which is this is not esoteric in any way. It's on the nose as a choice. And that's my overall top line feeling about the song in general. It's the most on the nose, down the middle Beyonce song that I could have conceived of. When the internet was rumbling that she was going to be making music that nodded at 90s house, 
I just kind of instinctually believed that she was going to put some sort of spin on that because that's what Beyonce has done historically, especially over the last couple of albums. Like if she gave us a disco song, it was Blow, which felt like disco filtered through a Drake-esque sonic universe or even Formation, which is like a kind of giant booming trap anthem, feels pointedly in a Beyonce POV. So I was incredibly surprised at how center down the middle straightforward this interpretation of 90s house was. It was the first time that I've heard a Beyonce song and felt like, okay, I could picture other artists singing this song. And I'm not saying that as a negative per se, but I think it tells us a lot maybe about what she's seeing for this and where she sees her role in pop culture at the moment, perhaps. I'm curious who you think could put out a nearly five minute long house song from the pop landscape. Well, I don't know that she can do it successfully. I mean, like, this, is the, this, is the, this is the question that I think is looming over this. Like my intuition is telling me that this is a swing at a hit song in a way that she has not taken in in her solo material in a while. And I'm intrigued by that as an idea. I think that she wants this to be a hit. And I think that that both comes from a commercial impetus and also because I think Beyonce has seen herself throughout her career as giving a voice to something culturally more broadly. So she clearly has an idea here that like her role this time around is not to sort of burrow into who Beyonce is, what her identity is, and try to make the personal political, which has been the theme of both the self-titled album and Lemonade on some level. The goal here is more to provide a broad, relatable pop anthem that is accessible to a lot of people and like creates a sense of freedom from the stress and tension that we've all been experiencing over the last period of years. So I think the song is less interesting than what the song telegraphs about what Beyonce is potentially attempting here. So to answer your question, the fact that it feels like a swing at a radio hit and it feels like a swing at a hit song and the fact that it's five minutes, maybe that runs slightly counter. And maybe that's just a level that she's not willing to concede. Like she's not going to make a two and a half minute song. And I think people would really feel disappointed in a two and a half minute song from Beyonce. So maybe that wasn't even an option, but we'll see if she can successfully make a five minute song. I will say the length of the song is no problem to me. It's not like I feel like the song drags at a five minute length. I find the song like interesting enough and inventive enough as it unfolds with the rap verse. Hey. And a dom's in the back Ain't taking no flicks But the whole click snapped There's a whole lot of people in the house Trying to smoke with the yak in your mouth With the big free job Ad-libbing With the different sort of flows she gets into With the way that the beat morphs and changes It warrants its length So that's good. It doesn't feel like it's overstaying its welcome, I don't think. Do you think so? Uh, no, I don't think so whatsoever. And dance songs used to be longer, but all it, yeah. of the pop girlies are making the shortest little Spotify jingles that yes. are made to be played twice to get twice the streams and right. are fitting into things. And I don't think radio is going to play a five-minute song. Well, there might be a radio, radio edit for all we know. Yeah. And also, I think running counter to my narrative that potentially... This is a swing at a hit song. I'm surprised that we got it not in the traditional dates that they clock metrics to get you on the Hot 100, which would be dropping on a Friday. And also, I'm shocked we haven't seen a music video yet. I mean, if she really wanted to power this song to a number one debut, there are things she could have done that would have spoken more to that. So that's also maybe running counter to my initial reaction, which was that this feels like an attempt at having a traditional hit, which also I think is something we should bring into the discussion is that the rollout of this is markedly different than any of her last few projects, which have sort of fallen out of the sky on some level. Yeah. Can I read your tweet? I know that that is a little bit of a corny thing to do, but you no, had a tweet about tweet. that that I thought was really good. 
you Go tweeted, on. very funny to me that Beyonce essentially single-handedly nuked the traditional album rollout with self-titled and now 10 years later is like, surprise, 2006 is back, announcing the album many months in advance, working a single or two to radio. What's next? A Good Morning America performance? <laughs> What's going on here, Louis? Are we seeing a return to the traditional album cycle? Well, Beyonce really changed single-handedly the way that albums have been released. I mean, when she released the self-titled record in 2013 with no notice, that was the sort of patient zero in the way that most major superstars release albums. And honestly, with the way everyone releases albums, I mean, major superstars can still pull off the surprise release or the week in advance release, which is what she did with Lemonade, whatever it is, like something with a very short lead up that also, speaking to our earlier conversation, gets her out of the singles rat race. It's like, we're not working a single. We're not worried about how a single performs. We're letting the audience choose the song that they potentially want to be the single once they've heard the whole thing. So that has kind of become the de rigueur way that pop stars release music since. So she really fully changed the game when she says, and feeling myself, change the game with that digital drop. Change the game with that digital drop. Know where you was when that digital popped. I stopped the world. Male or female, it make no difference. I stopped the world. World stop. Carry on. She meant that. That's real. She really did that. So I'm fucking fascinated once again about what this says to us about where Beyonce is at with this. That... She's given us six weeks of notice for this record that we're getting a very traditional feeling rollout for this, where we're getting an announcement followed by a single, followed some amount of time later, I'm assuming, by a music video. The vibe I'm getting is we might get multiple singles in advance of this album, because I think she's, there's clearly a very well-laid rollout over this next 40 days that's meant to build excitement for this. And to be honest, my first intuition, and again, I don't know if this is cynical on my part, is that I wonder if she feels given the underperformance of her last few sort of vanity projects since Lemonade, if she still has that sort of power to just drop something out of the sky and have it make the impact that she'd want it to make and that they felt that it would have been a mistake that could have led to this once again feeling less huge if they didn't have this kind of build up to it. That was my initial intuition with what she might be doing here with a more traditional rollout. Does that seem crazy? No, I think that that seems fairly on the money to me. And I will be fascinated to see how this rolls out, what kind of press she does, what singles she chooses, if we get more totally on the money there. One thing I want to bring up is age. Beyonce is 40, and it is exceedingly rare for a pop star to have a pop radio hit or any kind of radio hit, really, north of 40, increasingly even around 35 or younger. Beyonce still feels powerful in some way Mm -hmm. is she powerful Mm -hmm. enough to have this slightly later in career almost share moment where she gets a big radio hit at the age of 40 i'm very interested to know the answer to this as i said earlier i think the song's lack of complicatedness for lack of better word makes me more interested in this particular element of the song than the actual material itself because I think as I said the song is so straightforward that it's like okay cool like she made a 90s house club anthem very straightforward so the real question here is can Beyonce sort of defy gravity in that way and have a traditional hit I really feel feel torn about this because the other thing that I think clouds my judgment on whether I can sort of see the future on this one is I think in my particular world as a 35 year old gay man on Twitter it feels huge and I think you're in that world too so I think to us we're a little bit clouded because we're not the ones that need to be obsessed with this in order for it to be that. It's really the people that are not us. It's the kids. You know, it's people who did not grow up with Beyonce. The whole reason that she's in this position in the first place, which is the reason every pop star is in this position in the first place, is that there is now an entire generation of adult music listeners consumers, let's say from ages 16 to 25, that really did not experience Beyonce's heyday for in the first person. You know, they only know about it as lore. So when it comes to that point, they're not invested in everything in the way that like even 10 years ago, or even eight years ago or six years ago when Lemonade came out, the majority of the music consuming public was still in her generation on some level, whereas that's different now. And I think as we've discussed on the podcast so many times, it's ever more fickle. I think the radio and hit 
chart music is more fickle than it's ever been. I think there's less power for a radio programmer to go, let me try to help this veteran artist get this song plays and get it into culture in a way that I'm sure helped like Shares Believe or helped Hung Up by Madonna. They don't have that kind of power anymore. These songs either organically become streaming hits because people are listening to them or not. And that's the way that the charts are generated and that's the way that hits are generated kind of at this point. So it's really going to be a reflection of her power and I think a reflection of how people feel about the quality of the song, which is what we should maybe get into. I have a sense that there's a bit of a tear here regarding the reception of the song. Yeah, uh, it had been described by some on our Discord as mid. Yes. <laughs> there seems to be a split reaction on this yes. song. I personally mm-hmm. love it. I feel like it is the most fun that Beyonce has had in years. And getting to see somebody who has been self-serious and has made these great political statements and has had cultural impact as a woman, as a Black woman, as a figure in the culture, getting to see her sort of like let her hair down a little bit and have some club yes. fun, yeah. that makes me exist exuberant and joyful but some people were clearly hoping for something else what have you seen in terms of the reaction well i want to say first of all that i feel similarly to you in that the direction that this points to is to me the right one which is that i think she is on to something look i sort of laid this out earlier i think beyonce has always taken her role in culture very seriously from the jump from Destiny's Child, from Independent Woman Part One. Beyonce is always, from from Bills, 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 she's always sort of seen herself as, what can I lend my voice to here that like uplifts women, uplifts black women? I feel like that's always been a real driving force in her music. We talked about this actually weirdly on the Shania Twain episode a little bit in that they share this in common, this sort of like, how can I position myself as an artist in a way that is uplifting or speaking to or seeing a group of people in a way that they need to be seen. What that has meant has made lots of different music over time. Like, I think she mined herself so thoroughly in her more recent work, both as an artistic catharsis for herself and also because she thought that that would be meaningful for other people to see and helpful for other people to see. So I think she is right that what we need at this time, and we, her consuming public, is freedom, release, not something super heavy that we have to sort of sit with. I mean, I found myself unable to listen to the Kendrick Lamar album because I literally know despite the fact that I'm sure it's a rich text that would reap a lot of rewards or be fascinating or challenging. My bandwidth to sort of handle that at this moment, given the pressures and intensity of life and everything that we've gone through, like I find myself having a hard time bringing myself to that record. So I think she's onto something with the direction. I think the question is, is the song good on its own merits? I think that's kind of the, the question. And to me, I like it, but I, as I said, I'm more interested in what it represents. And I mean that also in terms of I'm interested in what it portends for the other music on this record more than I'm taken immediately with it. Yeah. So a down the middle, fairly broad, fairly accessible house track. What do you think that this points to in terms of the sonics that we will see on this album? What I hope it points to is some sort of exploration of dance music, which is obviously a historically black and gay art form. And what I'd like it to link to is not just the dance music of the 90s, but also the dance music of the 90s was essentially a revitalization of the disco era in the age of, you know, electronic music production. So I would like her, and I could see her being excellent at doing this, at sort of connecting the sort of history of Black in particular dance music forms, especially American music forms into some sort of text in that way that would give it sort of like an inherently political bent, but would also be extremely fun to listen to. I would love to hear more takes on Beyonce doing disco and doing 90s house and whatever else she chooses to sink her teeth into on this particular project. I could see more dynamic and singular takes on that than this song presents in my opinion. I want to throw out there that three vodka sodas and at the club, like I will be living for this song. Like I like this song. I'm not, I don't think this is like a bad song by any means. I just think the expectations she's created around what her music is, this feels outside of how that's been established. And the context for this song is 
incredibly different from lemonade, which you sit down on your couch and you consume it as a piece of art with a visual and you think about yeah. it. This The context right. that this song is going to play the best in is a fucking sweaty club. Exactly. That's great. I mean, and like, it, as you said, it is refreshing to hear Beyonce getting back to that because formation aside, Lemonade was very light on party music, obviously. And it's fun to hear her back in some way to just giving us an anthem. I mean, Formation was certainly an anthem, but giving us just like a almost frivolous feeling anthem. That's not a word that I have attached to Beyonce in a very long time. So it's interesting. And I think it's maybe just an adjustment on some level. Yeah. You mentioned some other sonic things that you are hearing in terms of house music and house music history. Could you talk a little bit about Beyond Show Me Love, what this track is pointing towards or pulling from and maybe how could that set the sonic palette for renaissance to come well one thing that this song i think does well is effectively capture some of the spirit of that era which was about using dance and club life as a means of freedom of release of you know specifically in marginalized communities black communities, queer communities coming together to sort of free yourself. And and in the 90s house movement, sort of like during the AIDS crisis in particular, freeing yourself from the stresses of everyday life as a marginalized person or as just a person on walking the planet Earth. So this song really thoughtfully, I think, speaks to that spirit. And I think it's very explicitly gay, which it needed to be. I think that was really smart on her part to put Big Fridge on the song. There's a nod to releasing your trade. There is both implicit and explicit references to gay culture here that are important to honoring this tradition properly, I think. And I think she did a good job with that. And then, you know, some of the songs that came to mind for me, just in listening to it, obviously Show Me Love, one of the most emblematic house songs of this era. But I also heard, as I mentioned, Black Boxes, Everybody, Everybody. I hear Ultranate's Free, you know, the song, you're free to do what you want to do, which I've always thought is a very signature song of that era because that song is about what that era was about, which was this sort of like deep need to release and be free in the club and to fully embody yourself in that space in a way that maybe you couldn't in real life. I hear that song very much in this song as well. And I also hear Crystal Waters 100% pure love in the mix here in some of like the synth elements and the way that the drum programming is constructed. I think she's picked a lot of great maybe on the nose in some instances, but still really fun and exciting references in which to build this song on. And the song feels, aside from sort of like the twerky clap elements that the big Frigia parts have, and then also the sort of like rap that happens in the middle, which feels like somewhere between Jay and Cardi B. (laughs) It feels very filial too its reference points. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Frida and the song pulls from the song Explode that was originally released on 2014's Just Be Free. Release your mind, release your job, release the time, release your trade, release the stress, release your love, forget the rest. This is actually the second time that Beyonce has put her on a track. She was also featured in 2016's Formation. For those who don't know, Queen of Bounce, Mother of New Orleans, who is Big Frida? Big Frida is a New Orleans bounce artist and like probably the premier New Orleans bounce artist. So she is kind of famous for popularizing this art form And I think she reached a lot of mainstream ears because of Formation. And then subsequently, she was on a Lizzo song. And then she was famously sampled in Drake's 2018 song, Nice For What. So Big Frida, even though she's been around, I think, making music since like the 90s, I think she's had like a big 
cultural acknowledgement thanks to mainstream pop stars like Beyonce and Drake who have like openly big up to her and put her on songs recently and she's a very very gay queer she's a real specific nod and acknowledgement of a culture that has been mined by mainstream pop for a long time so it's important i think for her to be present on these songs where do you see this sitting in terms of what else is going on in pop music right now is beyonce in step with it ahead of it or perhaps even a little bit behind the curve of today's pop music. You know, it's interesting. We talked about this a little bit about Charlie's album, which is that, as I mentioned, this is Beyonce's clearest pure pop single in a very long time. But it doesn't sound like what pop radio sounds like right now. It's not in any sense in conversation with Happier Than Ever or Little Nas X or Olivia Rodrigo pop punk or obviously trap hip hop, whatever. So I think there is an element or strain of particularly female pop stars and now Drake also (laughs) who are like attempting to bring dance music back to the fore. And one thing that's really interesting about this to me is that Beyonce very explicitly sidestepped the EDM era. Aside from Run the World, Beyonce never made an EDM banger in the era when like all the pop girlies were making EDM bangers. She very specifically avoided it on four aside from Run the World, completely avoided it on the self-titled album, which were her two records that sort of came out during that era. In fact, on self-titled, she famously says on Yonsei, radio said speed it up, I just go slower. So there's something of the inverse happening here where radio has been largely, Dua Lipa and Rain On Me aside, has been quite sluggish (laughs) and moody in the last period of years. So she's almost inverting that notion here. Radio says, slow it down, I just go faster kind of (laughs) vibes. Like, so Future Nostalgia was a big hit. Don't Start Now is definitely a dance song. So we can see that, Rain On Me. You know, I do think this song has heavy Chromatica vibes, I have to say. And it also makes me wonder, like, if we're ever getting a proper sequel to Telephone, it feels like perhaps it could be here. Don't tease me like that. That's not (laughs) happening. And you can't put that into my brain as something that could happen. It seems like this is going to be Beyonce's like, here you go, faggots. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the vibe that I'm getting from this. Because this song is a very like, all right, girlies, like, you wanted it? Here it is, honeys. Like, an it's something for the girls. It's something for the summertime. Banger, right? Like, and we like saw f- pictures of her leaving the studio with Ariana the other night. So it seems like maybe this is Beyonce's album where she's kind of like going, all right, I did my deeper work for the time being. And like, now I'm going to give you guys what you've just been clamoring for. And you deserve it because you've been through so much. And, you know, that's the other element of this that I think we could like sort of pick apart a little bit about Break My Soul, which is something my sister posited to me yesterday, which I think is kind of interesting, which is like, how do we receive Beyonce embodying a nine to five worker in the lyrics of this song. Like, I'm of two minds about it. I'd be curious what you think. But like, part of me is like, again, like I said, I think she sees herself in a very specific role right now, which is to give people an avenue to feel seen and then to release their stress. I think the song literally says, release your stress. Big Frida says it. So I think that's part of it. She wants to make lyrics that 99% of the world can hear and relate to. You know, we're dealing with like the COVID mass exodus of people from their jobs. And she's tapping into a lot of that energy. But it is, when you take a step back and think about it, like, I'm curious what you think. Like, is it awkward to hear this multi-billionaire talking about her nine to five? Or is that just a character that she's embodying and it works and it's not worth overthinking? I think it's deeply hilarious to the- Whoever tweeted that it was camp, you're correct. (laughs) Yeah. Beyonce is great at responding to a mood in America. Right. And this spring we've seen a huge labor movement in America, unionization. There is a lot going on 
as you noted with COVID workers, work from home situations, right. there's a real right. national and to an extent for sure international mood of right. people being fed up with the way that their labor has been exploited. And sure. I think that Beyonce is playing into that in the only way that she has access to, which is saying like, free up faggots, go dance. <laughs> and I, I wrote in my notes, is it radical in a sense for Beyonce to release such a down the middle song? Like, you know what I mean? Like at this point, like, is that actually kind of radical? Cause like it is, I mean, if she had released something sort of like weighty and heavy and with deeper running cultural themes, you know, we all would have been like, yeah, you know, that's what Beyonce does. Like she, she makes these powerful statements in her music. So there's something almost like, what? Like, yeah. okay. It so. was certainly surprising. And that's what yes. excited me about it is right. when the song started, I was like, oh, whoa, she's doing like house music, house music. Yeah. Talk yeah. about Chromatica. You know, the demos for Chromatica were house music, but the right. final product was not. Uh, some of it was. But uh, it had put a lot of contemporary... I mean, this would work really well next to, like, Alice in the club. Yes, uh, but uh, there was a lot of production gloss that felt really contemporary on Chromatica right. that broke away from right. the sound of the demos. And right. I was just excited that it was true to house music. And yeah. you could very immediately see what she was doing and I was kind of shocked that this is what she chose. And I like to be surprised by my pop stars. I like them to zig when I expect them to zag. And Beyonce is so good at that. And that has been what has been missing for me as a fan from her recent projects that mm. felt expected in a way. You know, Meaning it, her post-Lemonade projects. Her post-Lemonade projects, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. None of that... Uh, homecoming aside really excited yes. me right in right. the way that this track does because i don't know what she's about to do and that's really cool and it feels like it's not going to be what we've been getting i completely agree it feels like a genuine pivot mm -hmm. and she needed to pivot i think that that was clear and i think she has i'm very intrigued about what the next 38 days are gonna be like like the thing that strikes me is that she's got a real plan for this as a traditional rollout and i'm very interested to see like what that means like i was texting my friend earlier and saying like are we gonna get three singles and videos like in advance of this thing i could see us getting like a new single every week leading up to this sure. or something like that because i think the plan here is to not let up in terms of like keeping the attention and and build on this thing going. So I'm very interested to see like what a Beyonce album rollout, something we haven't seen really since four, which was a bit of a mess, honestly, of a rollout. We haven't seen an effective Beyonce solo album rollout since Sasha Fierce, I think. There was another clue in Variety, which reported that the album or the project, they're not sure which, will feature both dance and country-leaning tracks. It's unclear <laughs> if the country songs are going to be on a separate album. Maybe there's a Renaissance 2, but they reported that Ryan Tedder, who wrote Halo and has also Blech. done work for Sorry. Adele and Taylor Swift, has contributed to this album. Does an album that has both Break My Soul and anything tinged with country make any sort of sense to you? No. <laughs> Unless she's like making Casey Musgraves high horse style mashups or something like that. Or like Avicii style mashups of country and EDM or whatever. But interestingly enough, speaking of Sasha Fierce, this record, Break My Soul, produced by the Dream and Tricky Stewart of Single Ladies fame. Other big hit from that record, Halo, written and produced by Ryan Tedder. So we're definitely getting some, not that she hasn't worked with all those people since, but interesting connection also back to the aesthetics of that. Yeah, album. my pet theory is that she is going to do Renaissance 1 as a house album and Renaissance 2 as a country music album. And she's going to make a real play for the country music market. And she's going to ruffle some feathers over there. Country would be a much more difficult pivot for her to make in terms of her actual core fan base, I think. Like, this is very fan service to make a house album, I think. I don't think there's anybody in the hive that's going to be, like, upset about this direction. I think country is going to be a tougher proposition for her to pull off, but I'd be very interested to see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One last question for you. What is your biggest wish for the Renaissance era? That it be good. <laughs> Serious, sincerely. I want it to be good. 
that's my greatest wish. I think, to, in my personal opinion, every Beyonce solo project has succeeded on one level or another. Throughout her past six solo albums, she has succeeded in what she has endeavored to do with each one. So my greatest hope for her and for all of us is that she continues that streak with Renaissance. That's my hope. And look, let's just say, Russ, that we're going to make sure that we do our absolute best here to provide some coverage of this record in our way. We'll, we'll see how that takes shape, but I definitely want to make sure that we get to talk about this as it all happens because it is very exciting. And that's maybe the note I'd like to end on, which is the frenzy that this has whipped up is been so fun. There's so few artists that can do this. And it was just such a ball over the last week or whatever since she first talked about this or since this was first rumbling online. Just like everybody like picking up little clues from Twitter and throughout the internet and trying to figure out what was going on. And then once she announced it, sort of like figuring out what the direction was and screaming and freaking out digitally and in real life. And the Discord has, as we said, been such a ball. So that's been one of the great joys of this whole experience for me is just like the frenzy that this has whipped up. It feels novel and like she's one of the only people that can ignite that, at least in our little corner of the world. So I'm very grateful to her for that. Do you have any thoughts? You want to share a final thought on Renaissance, Russ? Drop it. Drop a bar. I want to see her beat the odds. Yeah, same. I would like that too. I want to see her enter her 40s stepping into a whole new type of power as a pop figure and a commercial artist. I want to see her break the ageism and misogyny of Mm -hmm. radio programming. And racism. And racism, absolutely, that we've got going on. I want to see Beyonce prove her haters wrong. I agree. I think that's a perfect note to end on. And frankly, she's done it quite a few times in the past. So I have a lot of faith in her. So I think that's where we should leave it for now. Very interested to hear everybody's thoughts on Break My Soul and Renaissance's rollout in the Discord. Go into that Discord. It's already going, so you'll just be leaping into a really fun ongoing discussion. It's very inviting. I I hope nobody feels intimidated to go in there because it's fun. It's light. People say interesting things, but it's mostly just a kiki. So like, get in there. Russ and I pop in there all the time and talk to everybody too. So get in this court, tell us what you think about Break My Soul. And I think that's all. Russ, you want to pick a Beyonce song to go out on and why? Yes, I would like us to go out on Blow because Mm -hmm. that is the sound that I thought of when I saw the first images from British Vogue of Beyonce with a disco ball. And that is one of my favorite Beyonce songs. And I would love to hear more music that makes me feel the way that song does. Okay, great. Let's go out on Blow. Russ, thank you as always, my friend. And everybody have a wonderful life. Until next week. Bye-bye.